Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of Strategy with Jason. I have a very special guest today. Um, it's funny because I feel like we've been literally talking to each other for like the last 72 hours straight on Clubhouse. And if you don't know what Clubhouse is, you're just not cool with school. Um, so I have the one, the only Mr. Steve Ressler in the house. Steve, say what up to the audience. What's going on, people? You know, now Steve has a lot of things that he can claim to fame, but I think one of the most famous things about Steve is he's the only person in the industry that takes hair advice from Jim Carrey. Um, so <laughs> Steve, this is, wow. <laughs> and, 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 and Jason, you take it from, uh, Kojak. Uh, that's exactly know? it. Right. <laughs> I actually like to tell people, this is what happens when you get into the industry. You know, I had, you know, when I first started, oh, I had this amazing flowing, you know, locks of hair. And then I got into the car business. I had some kids got married and disappeared um <laughs> i would do the same thing i would if, if i started to lose my hair i'd go bald i mean you know that's i'm, I'm heading i'm, go, I'm gonna go down the mission uh, i would go bald all right hey steve for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now and don't know who you are and kind of the story of how you got in into the industry i would think it's kind of fun to kick off every podcast with a little origin story so what is the origin story that is steve wrestler Oh my gosh, man, that's going to take up the whole time. Uh, no, I look, I'm 49 years old, been in the car business for what, six years now. Um, I've been in three different industries though, um, which is kind of fun. I was in engineering sales for about six years in the early part of my career. And one of my buddies told me to get into medical sales when pharmaceutical sales was hot. And uh, I got into that and graduated to what is the kind of like the, uh, where you want to go if you're in medical, I want to be mm -hmm. in devices. So I wound up working for a company called Medtronic, which was completely my dream job, getting in there, being in the OR and treating patients for neuropathic pain, deep brain stimulations for Parkinson's, yada, yada, yada. Great opportunity. Saw a lot of amazing things. And, um, you know, it, it, that was actually a point where I kind of learned in my career that working for the biggest company is not the best thing in the world. <laughs> um, so I was let go uh, and I thought I was a stud. Um, and from that, I wound up working for my first startup company in the medical field and uh, worked for that company for about five, six years, got to another startup. And lo and behold, I love CRM. I will say as a diehard sales guy, uh, and I used CRM in engineering. I used it in medical. And that's what I always say, put me on the map in any sales job that I did was using my CRM. And my buddy uh, up the street said, Hey man, I'm building the CRM. I want you to take a look at it and join the automotive industry. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I can walk in any hospital across the country. I can walk right in there. And you know, you want me to get in the car industry? And six years later, I'm telling you what, it's the best thing I've ever done. Uh, and now I'm a, a part owner of the company, which is great. And uh, just promoting something that I believe in is really CRM and helping salespeople grow their business and really teaching dealerships how CRM is the heart of their business to uh, 
prosper to take it to the next level. So that's a little bit about Steve Ressler from basically <laughs> what twenty six years of uh, basically selling. So it's been a it's been a wild ride. Learned a lot. I, on I the love way. the fact that like, like, so often I hear these stories of how people kind of fumble their way into the industry. I usually find people get into the industry of one of three ways, right? They were born into it, they fumbled their way into it, or they were like me, they got conned into it. Um, oh. But <laughs> but but I mean that's crazy, man. You had this amazing you know uh, career in medical, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna go try this thing called automotive. But we are so glad that you did decide to make that decision because uh, your insights into CRM and just your passion for the industry and just for dealerships in general just shows so much in the way that you talk and communicate with everybody. And you know what? Like I remember my introduction to my first CRM. It was a uh, one of these and um, and a pen. And I actually do remember the manager actually handing me this book and Probably says that you're going card. to. That's right. Everybody always said the Stuka card, right? You know, <laughs> yes. He's like, you're so, going to live I and mean, die what's in here. Hey, and, and back way back when I used a program called ACT. I used Goldmine. I used LeapFrog. I mean, look, I've used a lot of CRMs outside of automotive. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, look, the, I always think about the opportunities I lost if mm. I wouldn't have a CRM. And if I had a notebook, I, if I ever had a notebook again, I'd jump off of a bridge because I just know I'm losing opportunities and I'm not following up. And, and you know what's cool? And I have heard you say this before, and I'm a big proponent of as well, is that, you know what, a, a tool is only as good as how well someone's actually going to use it. It's, it's uh, yes, we can make amazing technology, but if you don't have the person behind you, utilizing that technology in the way that it was attended to and never goes anywhere. And that always kind of seems to be a, well, that's, that's why the whole training and coaching industry is kind of built on is, is the fact that people out there don't utilize their tools well enough. But I think this kind of goes into kind of our, our first topic today around engagement strategies, because it seems to be such a hot topic right now. It's like, I got this great tool. It's telling me all this great information about the customer, but I need to engage with them. And it just seems like it just kind of putters off from there. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about engagement strategies. First, how do you define what an engagement strategy is? Well, it's the only way. It's two-way communication. I mean, it's very simple. I mean, you know, just because you sent an email and they opened it is not engagement newsflash. <laughs> the only thing it means is you got a good email. Um, so that is not engagement. If you leave a message, obviously, that is not engagement. Um, so only when a customer does throw the ball back to you uh, via text, email, uh, they reply with your video. Um, it's just, you have to have a dialogue with the customer by definition of engagement. Um, and so, yeah, so one of the things like, you know, as I, I guess I'm gonna backtrack because the only reason why I got into automotive was probably the tool uh, that we're using today is video. Yes. And so when we started up drive centric, it was the first CRM out there to do personalized video in the CRM, both on the desktop and the mobile. And I just looked at this product and I mean, cause I'm a diehard CRM guy in medical and engineering. And I was like, man, if we could do this in the medical industry or in engineering and do video, man, I would kill it. There's not one CRM out there that I know of that has video built into the platform. Mm -hmm. So when I got into automotive, video was just a huge thing for me to brand myself. I mean, you know, we talked about hair earlier. So yeah, I mean, when I go to a show and I'm sending personalized video out to dealers all across the country, how cool is it? It's like, oh man, I know you, you're, you're that hair guy, you're Jimmy Neutron and whatever you call me, at least you know. 
know me and that's all I care about. So the way you get engagement, obviously with email, phone calls, text, video, all the forms of engagement we need to figure out the customer's preferred form of communication. And I think uh, jumping in automotive, the thing that I'm so passionate about uh, when it comes to engagement is you have to adapt to the times. And it, right now, I mean, I got the Karate Kid in the background, right, Jason? Yeah, you know, we're I talking see about it. this. I love right? it. Karate Kid yeah, was in 1984, you said? Was that 19, right? 1984 was okay. the first well, we Karate We still communicate like it's 1984, except <laughs> nobody is paging, you know, Jason Harris. You know, if I can have a paging system tied to my CRM, would we use that today? Probably not. Newsflash. I bet you, you had yet. a couple of pagers, didn't you? You did have a you, you've, you have a box of pagers sitting around in the house somewhere. Oh my god, no, I hey, don't. Speaking, but I used speaking to have of old a pager tech, when I was in the medical, you would actually get a kick out of this uh, because we're on the topic of video. So uh, last night, uh, uh, my wife says, "Can you come help me clean up the basement a little bit?" Right, and yeah. uh, you have these monster boxes of just like, like tech, just equipment, right? Just old stuff, right. old cameras, all this stuff. I'm going through it, and I find my Kodak flip cam. You remember the flip cam? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because it was the first uh, customer video I ever recorded was in 2000, early 2008 with my less than one megapixel. It might have been just one megapixel flip cam that I had to manually upload to YouTube at a 360p resolution. And then I forwarded it off. And, you know, I remember it. So, so I remember it because it was on uh, it, it was on a Chevy Cobalt. I think was the video that I did it on and I set it up on this tripod. I was yelling at the top of my voice because the microphone sucked at this thing. Right. But I remember the customer coming in because that was amazing. And I sold the car first video I ever did in the industry as a salesperson. Right. Nobody was even doing video at the time. And I remember the reason I got into video was because I remember we had this old phone trainer that would come in. Remember the trainers come in, teach you how to talk on the phone. And, and he was doing this up on the board. He's like, look, if you can take this many more, all right, opportunities and get them into a conversation, then your probability is here. And I'm like, you know what? And I was the only person at the time that was kind of handling these, these internet people, you know, you know, (laughs) internet people is what they were kind of called, you know, at the time. And, and I was like, well, okay, so that's cool. So if I do that, and that's what propelled me into video and it's, it's amazing. That was 2008. And it's, it's, it blows my mind that today all right, with the new technology and the apps and the CRM systems that we have, that there's still excuses why the hell they can't do video. You don't feel oh, this. I, I feel I get angry yourself. Oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm totally angry. I mean, and look, we right now, you know, because of what we just came out, I don't have to say this, the word of what we just came out of this past year, because I'm tired of saying the word, but I mean, if, like with Facebook, I mean, there was an article out there that said that 50% of uh, people increased uh, from, I think it was from uh, February to March watching Facebook live videos. Oh yeah. Cute. So video is that norm stream of communication that people are in fact, doing and watching so we're just not adjusting and the market is telling us or you know what we just went through is telling us we need to do it we need to listen to what the customers channels of communication are and their preferred form of communication 
and, and just start doing it. The biggest excuse I get, Jason, is I look bad on video. I don't want to shit on I look bad on video. Well, you know what? I always say you don't look better in person either. So, you know, if somebody's going to come to your showroom and that's your excuse, you better go work at Hardee's, you know, or something else or, you know, in and out Burger. I don't know. But I it just it doesn't make sense to me why if I'm OK to work with a customer in the showroom, I can't put myself on video and just humanize the car buying experience at the end of the day you know this is the stat when it comes to it jason and you were obviously in the car business so Mm -hmm. you obviously know this right we send an email right you send out an email you sent out these terrible 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 templates which we'll talk about i'm sure on this (laughs) but seven percent of what you say is in that email have you ever sent an email to somebody and it was taken out of context oh 100 all the time all the time but we keep doing it yep we define insanity now your manager would say jason get him on the phone get him on the phone you know why because 38 percent on top of your seven percent is your tone so if you're saying words and you're communicating with tone proper tone like i'm gonna have deflections mm-hmm. all throughout this because that's all i do but now i'm communicating 45 percent so or 40 and i have a better chance of you getting in the showroom but then i'm gonna say get them in the showroom jason get them in the showroom get them in the showroom and you know why because we're stellar in this showroom because we're communicating at 100 so it's that's the same what process. video is doing that's what drives me nuts is it's the same process right like we're trained oh. we train our staff when they're in the showroom to humanize that this is our opportunity because when they come in through the door they think we're a bunch of robots all right so you know your oh. first goal right out of the gate is to connect with them person to person right and start humanizing your conver- your your conversation and that has everything yep. to do with body language tonality eye contact i mean this is it, you know what's what's crazy is it's not necessarily a new process it's the same process we have all right we're just attaching a piece of technology to it and connecting with that with that customer at a personal personal level before they come in versus having to do it when they come in it saves everybody time sorry anyways i digress. Oh, go ahead i just well here's what i'm always saying jason like uh you know coming outside in the medical industry and then getting into the automotive um you know one of the things that was a huge challenge and i had to connect with the car business because i never sold a car Okay. But yet in the medical industry, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. Right. So, um, that's, yeah, that is, I'm glad you laughed, Jason. Um, but no, I, I mean, but here's the thing though, is, you know, I was a patient advocate when I was speaking to my doctors or my pharmacists, I was always, you know, making sure that my patients were getting the right therapeutic result with whatever I was uh, selling at the time. I jump into automotive. And again, I, it took me a long time. It was probably about a year and a half before I really found my niche and I became a, basically a customer advocate. So I started studying the consumer shopping behavior. And if you go out there and just look at the customers, and like who's texting and things of that nature, look at the millennials and Gen Z's, which is the largest buying customer out there in the market. And I mean, my gosh, if you ask your, you know, I don't know, Jason, if you have kids, but, but you know, did you ever well, yell up the, you know, if you have a two story house, yell down and say, pizza's here. You know what? Now we actually use our Amazon Echo devices. So I actually yell at oh. Alexa to send that message. <laughs> 
<laughs> gotta love tech, right? You can do that. Efficiency. But you can't do that because the kids have got their their AirPods in. They're watching some videos, so you have to text them. Exactly. You know, so it's just amazing how. And then those millennials and Gen Zs won't pick up the phone. And there's studies out there on why millennials and Gen Zs don't pick up the phone because of the anxiety of you know being able to think on their feet. It's just it's a different dynamic when you start studying um, different. Uh, generations of people and how we have to really change our communication. So when I got in automotive, that's why I just wanted to uh, be passionate about is helping dealers understand more about the consumer. Uh, And if we just go out there and think, man, technology is out there. The customers are even telling us in many different uh, articles out there. I know what I want. I just want a better buying experience. So I always tell everybody in the dealership world, pretend you're a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And the tip is selling the car. That's it. That, that, that truly is it. And I'm so glad that you kind of brought up, you know, uh, kind of language, right? Because we were kind of talking about this earlier before we started recording today, right? It comes back to the, to, to the syntax of, of how we connect with them. You know, I, I would love to start seeing within a, a CRM, you know, kind of a, a different syntax to match to the audience, at least for the data points that we actually have on them, especially if they're existing customers. You know, look, when they're a new customer, I understand may, may not have enough data information on to, to uh, alter the, your syntax to the individual. Um, but man, if you have that data on that customer, look, you know, you know when their date birth is, you know oh, they're we, male, you know they're do. female, you, you know we're... this age. You so, but but then our language doesn't change, and you know I, I see that and that bugs me, and I think what even bugs me even more so right now is given everything that's going on during the twelve months, how much dealerships templates, and you know both of us hate that, um, but but the, but the syntax of their language is hasn't changed or updated at all, and I feel like it's just killing these dealerships, and I would love to get your thoughts. Oh. Well, yeah, no, I mean, and first of all, when it comes to the data on communication, I don't know if you were going in that direction, but Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the things we wanted to improve upon. So um, at least in our tool, what we're able to do is if the customer prefers texting, we're actually highlighting that to the salesperson that this customer is a texter. Uh, This customer's never replied to your email. So they never picked up the phone. So we do highlight that. And we also do communicate to like the social media streams. So if the customers uh, like email, their phone number tied into their LinkedIn, or Facebook, you can easily get to know the customer. If they have three kids, no wonder why they went third row seating, right, Jason? Exactly. So we're really trying to connect the dots. uh, So there is no... You know, if you and I know that, you know, you know, I'm a hockey guy, you could quit the small talk and I could have a hockey background back exactly. there. And all of a sudden it's like, oh man, you're a hockey fan. And all of a sudden, what do we do? We just, it's not about the car. It's about the connection. And that's what I always try to do. That's why I got the karate kid up here just because it is kind of fun. It's <laughs> not like, you know, it, it's fun for anybody who kind of wants to connect up and be addicted to Cobra Kai. Do, do you think but, that's uh, something that we could see in the future of CRM systems is, 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 is the ability to kind of enter in more of a, a unique profile, you know, to that individual based on the information I know. Like I know you're a, a hockey, you know, hockey fan. That I I should be able to kind of put that into my CRM so I can use that data, you know, during during my conversation. Oh. If I if I know that you're um you're, you're a single mom with two kids at home, you know, I I, I I putting that in there I think just allows us to connect uh, with someone in a way when we actually have some of that information. Do, what are your thoughts on having that data within the CRM? Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's no CRM that does exactly all that. However, you know, in any CRM, you have a customer profile notes. 
Nobody uses mm-hmm. it in the auto That's industry. True. I will tell you in every other industry, you do. Because when I go on exactly. site, if I want to talk Toronto hockey or Maple Leafs or whatever, I just kind of know, like, you know, I can ask the customer, you know, hey, man, what, did you watch a game the other night? Or maybe I'll just look at the scoreboard. And it just, it brings the demeanor and the whole conversation down to where it's not all business. And that's a, that's a sales tactic. And we do uh, it in person all the so, time. We, we, we do it in person all the time. But for some reason, we forget all of what we were trained. You know, we, we forget all about our training at the showroom once we get on the phone or once we get into an email conversation oh, or a text oh. conversation. You know, and, and to go back to your original question now on um, – you know, it was about the templates. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I will tell you one of the things, uh, you know, when we convert somebody that's over from whatever CRM to drive, the first thing we do is we try to get rid of their templates. Now we do have artificial intelligence that's in our CRM. Uh, It's true machine learning AI. So it does replace a lot of the templates and it can talk to customers about their trade. It can even go as far as schedule appointment. Um, It's really cool. Uh, So a lot of our stores actually get rid of a lot of their templates and we try to encourage them to always know where's the customer at in the buying behavior of buying a cars today and 90% of customers buy a car in 30 days and 80% of those customers are in the first 14 days. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to say it's a tweeting world we're living. Um, I always teach the less is more strategy. So if, you know, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, my wife, if I said, Hey, can we get married again? And we're going to not handwrite <laughs> labels. We're going to just, you know, we're going to put label maker and I'm going to type these all out. So I don't have to handwrite and get carpal tunnel in my hand again. Um, they, they wouldn't fly. It's got to be personalized. So that's what, you know, texting or sending a personalized email two sentences long is plenty. It, it you know, really is. The other thing too, wait, I got to do one more thing because this is a great analogy. I came up with this the other day. Have you ever watched the movie Hoosiers with Gene Hackman? Oh, yes. Great movie. Okay. Great movie. I'm a Gene Hackman fan. But in that movie, do you remember when he's in the locker room and he's teaching the boys how many passes before you shoot the ball? Yes, they do. Three passes. So the thing that you, know, you go out there and you secret shop stores, and the thing that always comes back is, what time can you come in? What time can you come in? Let's what get time married. Can you, come in? you know, so it's almost like I want a rule of three passes, conversations before you ask for the appointment. I love that. And then, you know what, the, the, the cool thing is, is when we keep it simple like that, and our, our conversations are not these two paragraph long templated, oh. where it just, you know, look, here's the thing. Customers aren't stupid. All right. If a consumer smells a template, they know it's a template and, and the instantaneously just look what it says to them is you just don't give a shit enough about me as a as a consumer to just literally write out two sentences, because that's kind of what I was expecting. Instead, I got these two paragraphs, you know, but that sets the stage for that. Oh, so important thing called the experience. And I know that's that's kind of the next step or next direction I want to take kind of with our conversation here is, you know, how do we create that experience and how does tech like the CRM, you know, generate that experience? And sometimes that experience literally starts at that one piece of communication. But how, how do you see kind of that, how we can create that utilizing the technology that we have? Well, yeah. I mean, like, for example, the thing I always preach right now is, and we talked about earlier, is the video aspect, uh, the texting. Texting is the number one form of communication. So um, in our platform, one of the things that's really cool that we uh, added was the use of emojis and, believe it or not, GIFs. Oh, I like that. Yes. All right. So 1 billion gifs are done daily. And I love to teach the less is more strategy. So to your point, the reason why people um, have the templates is because let's face it, people can't spell. 
right? So let's just say it the way it is. And so we're going to talk about video. I don't know about you, Jason, but the last time uh, that I thought about it, there's no spell check with video. Nope. And you know, in technology, there's voice recognition. So if you speak clearly, like you do today in technology, you have voice recognition, you don't have to fat finger type anything. So, you know, when it comes to the experience, we got to think about uh, the user experience to give the customers experience what they want. And so that's what the dealerships got to look at is, okay, what do we need? What do we have to arm our salespeople with to make sure we give the customer the right experience? And that's where typically it falls short. In my humble opinion, okay, and I'm not saying this because we're the latest and you know greatest CRM that's out there, but the reality is, is all these platforms that are out there, Jason, were built 20 years ago, okay? They were all great 20 years ago, just like a flip phone was, okay? But how many flip phones do you see at the dealership? Oh, exactly. You just, you just yeah. don't. You know, and, and, and that's what I mean. And that's why I always tell her dealership is, do you have the right tools? And that could be anything. It's not just saying CRM. I know CRM is a huge undertaking. So believe me, it's it's got to be for the right dealership, though, that appreciates and listens to what the customers are saying. And that's why I just tell everybody is you can do all this stuff in other CRMs. I mean, you know, that we're talking about, you know, video, you may be buying a separate tool outside the platform and you got to plug in an email subject line. It's just hard. But then you say, well, why aren't my guys shooting video? Because there's too many steps. It's not easy and technology has in fact evolved so they have to be yeah, willing you don't, you don't to have to use the flip the cam anymore right what's that you know i don't i don't have to use my flip cam anymore you know no. you know it's you know funny going back to kind of that flip cam thing um you know before so in, in 2007 I, I i think that's when i got my first iphone right um and boy that that changed the way it looks today and where it was then was different and i oh. I, I i'm horrible by the way at spelling just absolutely atrocious. You ask any one of my employees and literally I think my ability to type and spell kind of stopped at like grade five uh, because that's how, that's how good I am at it. So I remember when I got my first iPhone, there was this app on there that was uh, a memo app and I could mm -hmm. record conversations to it. And so I'm, I record, you know, tasks to myself or, or something that I couldn't remember. And then there was this little option you could email it. And I'm like, huh, I'm really bad yeah. at responding. Let me try this out. So before I did video, that was actually what I did. I was actually recording my audio, uh, my, my audio response, and then attaching that to an email and sending that. That's what pushed me into doing video because I was one step away. I was one step away from doing from doing video, right? But 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 to your point, oh, cool. 100 right. It's utilizing that technology and moving towards the experience. Well, and the whole thing too with uh, spelling, I mean, look, everybody loves to be perfect spellers, right? I mean, <laughs> and, and like I said, well, if you do the less is more approach and you're using voice recognition, I mean, Jason, I mean, I'll go in there and I'll use my voice recognition on text somebody and it's wrong, right? Mm -hmm. You've done that. I mean, oh, we yes. all have. I mean, this is what I call, one of the things I love to Some teach is get rid of head trash. Um, head trash is a terminology typically that I love to teach on. It's, uh, it's preventing us to do it, uh, that what we want to do. So for example, I don't want to do video because my customer doesn't want to see me uh, on video or <laughs> I don't look very good. So I'm just not going to do the video. There's also a thing out there called perfect trash that I like to say. And because we're not in a perfect world, you know, we may be doing this, you know, podcast and my dog could bark anytime. And you know what? I'm okay with it because it, it, life isn't perfect. Yep. And the fact that I may spell check it at least, you know, and I may do uh, misspelling, 
it's okay. At least it's more of a human approach than it is a template approach with like you're saying, like five, six paragraph that nobody's going to read. No, it's so true. You know, I actually have a great example of that. Um, you know, I have a dealership that use um, uh, walker, authentic walkarounds, right? And it's a, it's a video app to record and, and bring it in. And, and uh, the way they have it kind of set up is they get to review the video management does before it gets sent out. Uh, well, at least that's typically how the process was goes. Well, here's an example where that this didn't happen. And uh, a salesperson recorded a video and in, at some point in time during the video, dropped the camera, said, oh, shit picked up the camera and kind of kept going. And that was the one that, that was the video that they accidentally attached and sent out. But the funny thing is, is that was what was one of the reasons why the customer actually goes, dude, that was hilarious. Did you know you said that? He then the salesperson was red in the face and go, Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I sent it. Um, But it was, it was just a real person. You made a mistake when you drop your phone, you say, Oh shit, that's what happens. Like, I mean, but no, that's, and that's, what's great. I mean, is I stage bloopers in my, when I do a video, just because again, it's showing that we're not perfect. I mean, I've seen guys where they walk up to the car and the car is locked and you'll love this one. You know, they open up the car door and there's like, they'll say like, Oh shit or something. The car's locked. And what they do is they take the phone and they just put it right up to the window of this. <laughs> it's hysterical, <laughs> but you know what? You're showing the inside of the car, exactly. but it's just funny because the car, you, you couldn't even take your keys out. And uh, you know, that's one of the things I love to talk about is if you can stage bloopers like that and get a reaction from the customer and get the customer to engage, it just shows you're human. It does. It, it really does. It shows. It shows that we're human. And you know, like I said, th- at the end of the day, that's what that's utilizing tech to create an experience, and the experience through, <clears throat> excuse me, through connecting with person with with another person. Now, kind of going on that same direction as far as our conversation goes here of technology and how that generates experience. Let's talk a little bit about this thing of digital retelling. God, I, you know, actually. Oh, it just tastes bad when I say it out loud like that. I just, I, I really right. can't, I, I don't like the, the word itself. And you define digital retelling in a very way. How would you, if you used one word, how would you define digital retelling? Soda. <laughs> All right. It's, it's soda. It's what kind of soda do you like, Jason? Mountain Dew, Pepsi, Coke, Dr. Pepper. So digital retailing by my, you know, what I've been talking about, because it it is one form, the way that everybody talks about digital retailing is numbers on the website. Yep. And nobody, um, even right now, starting today, I mean, I go out there, I ask how many dealers, how many customers are going to start to finish using your digital retailing tool? And it's probably less than 5%. And and that's being generous because I think Mm -hmm. it's still very early, you know, for that. And I think what um, digital retailing to me, by my definition, is the customer is not in your showroom and you're doing a part of the transaction while they're in their home in their pajamas, you're making it easy for the customer. So that could be a trade appraisal. That could be F and I, that could, it could be anything that you want. It could be showing the proposals. It could be going through the credit app process because Mm -hmm. they filled out a credit app and it was all jacked up when it came into your store and you want to schedule a live room meeting and interview them about their credit app. What part of the process are you going to make it easy for the customer when they can do it at home, at work, wherever they're at, and you're doing that part of the transaction to minimize that customer's time in the store. You know what? Uh, digital retailing, you know, for me, and, and, and I love the way that you, you kind of described it there. You know, you know what, for me, it, it's a process. It's an operational process before it ever becomes a widget. 
And I just, I, I, it, it drives me nuts. You know, um, you know, my Mitsubishi dealership uh, that I had about six years ago, you know, we were doing digital retailing, uh, you know, from coming online into the dealership and moving, moving forward. And if you want, you can do it online. You can do it all online. Right. But we didn't call it digital retailing. We had no idea what the heck it was called. You know, when, when you came, when you came in offline, you came in line to the dealership. That was kind of, we wanted to keep the entire, the entire process moving along. So it was a process, not necessarily a widget. Now, once we've developed out the process and we felt comfortable, like this is what it could look like if someone wanted to buy online or if someone wanted to take it to step four of the sales process and then get into the dealership and execute the rest of the steps, right? We wanted to build out a process that would work both ways. So people could decide how far they wanted to go online, stop, and then come in or complete the entire thing. But once we developed the process, then we worked backwards towards the technology. And what drives me nuts today is that we're relying on the technology to define what the process is. And I feel like it's a back-ass, backwards way of doing it. And it's, I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on this too. It's just, oh, you know, it process before tech. If Well, here's, yeah, I mean, well, and again, you got to know the customers too. I mean, sure. you know, to, to say I got my Harry Potter magic wand here and I put a digital retailing tool on my website <laughs> that it's going to just flood, um, it's just, it's not accurate. And I think, you know, especially with us being, you know, a CRM company, you could do everything you want, digital retailing within your own CRM. That's just a fact. I mean, but, you know, if a customer does want to do it all on the website, they can do it on the website if the customer chooses to. I think a lot of customers are probably a little skittish. I mean, that's why the numbers aren't jiving right now. Uh, so I think there's some things I, I mean, but the fact is, could you do it all on the website? Man, I'm all for it. If you can make it, that's the way the customer wants to go then man, let, you know, help them through it. Maybe schedule a zoom meeting and say, Hey, I'm going to get you on my website, Mr. Customer. I'm going to walk you through and pour you through my website. So you can do this all very easily. Why aren't we doing that? No, a hundred percent. And you know what? I'm, I'm finding that it, it comes down to it. Look, digital retelling. Um, and we've just going to say this, it's, it's just not, it's not, it's not a plugin. It, 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 it goes deeper sometimes even the process. It's a fundamental culture change. It is, if you're really going to embrace what digital retailing is, it is a fundamental culture and branding shift within your business. And, you know, I don't see a lot of dealerships. I've only seen a handful of dealerships, I mean, really make that mind shift change around yeah. their operations and their communications to lean towards a digital retailing, you know, environment because it does, it, it, it changes all the, the way I talk to them, the syntax and the way I talk to them, the technologies that I'm going to use, you know, um, for, for example, even all the way down to the meet and greet, like at my dealership, you know, our meet and greet was, Hey, welcome to Cambridge Mitsubishi. You know, my name is Jason. All right. My job is to provide you a unique and innovative hassle-free experience. And those were the two oh. words that gave birth to all of our processes. We wanted to be innovative and hassle-free. We didn't know that's what digital retailing was at the time, you know, but the, it, that was, but it was a culture change. It was an entire change. It was like everything we did, every process that we had in the dealership had to go back to those two pillars. Is this innovative? And does this remove hassle from the, uh, from the purchasing buying experience. Only then yeah. did I actually feel we were executing what's now called digital retailing. Well, and here, I'll give you another analogy that may uh, hit your audience up. Um, but I, I like to call dealers is, do you operate yourself like a McDonald's with no drive through? <laughs> and 
you know, at the end of the day, you got to think, uh, I mean, now McDonald's has two drive through lanes or wherever I go, you know, it's just kind of interesting. And then have you ever seen a McDonald's with their drive through under construction during the day? Exactly. And the answer is no, they do it at night. And if they did do it during the day, you're going to be going to Burger King across the street because nobody wants to get out of the car. Right, Jason? Yep. A hundred percent. And, and that's what I mean. We have so many different ways of buying pizza or, you know, going to McDonald's, you can go up and, you know, once everything opens up, you can go in there, go to the kiosk and order your own food, not even have to talk to somebody if that's what you want to do. Yep. Um, so there's all these different ways of buying. And that's all we're just, I think that's what we're trying to say in uh, from our perspective is helping our dealerships is provide a different channel. Right now, dealerships operate on a one lane highway. Mm-hmm. How do you get to two lanes? How do you get the three lanes or four lanes and make it easier and open up those lanes is your digital retailing to keep that customer get one aspect, two aspects, get, you know, part of the process of what the customer has to do to buy a car, make it easy for them. And that's what opening up all the different lanes is. And I just think if, you know, if a dealership, it's got to come from the leadership team. They got to listen to the customers. And, and Jason, you're a marketing guy. You mm-hmm. probably can appreciate this term. And I've learned this in other industries I was in. I don't really think automotive understands it, but there's a term called upstream marketing. Yes. How many people talk about upstream marketing in automotive? In our business, not at all. Not at all. And that's what we're talking about is adapting processes given what the customer is doing today. And uh, in in the clubhouse, otherwise known as crack house, right, Jason? Uh, (laughs) You know, they were talking about Chick-fil-A. Jonathan Dawson was talking about uh, Chick-fil-A and they said our in-store buying experience was great. And they, they wanted to make the best buying experience going through the drive-through, which I thought was amazing because you go through their drive-through and they're the only ones doing what they're doing in their drive-through. And now people are talking about it. Just imagine if you uh, do something digitally and we listen to our customers and we create an upstream marketing process for a part of the digital retailing process. It could be, hey, I'm going to send you this live link and we're going to do a virtual meeting. I'm going to appraise your car. You don't have to come in for me to appraise your car, Mr. Yeah. Customer. Do you think that would get out to their friends and family? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. It just is. And, and that's what we have to do. We have to uh, implement upstream marketing and listen to the customers more importantly now than other ever, because that's what's going to brand you differently. There's um, the shop automotive here in Denver, Colorado. You know, imagine this, Jason, mm-hmm. go back to one of your stores and say, how many virtual appointments did you schedule this month? What if I told you that the automotive group at shop automotive did 25% of their appointments virtually and you did Zippo, you think you're losing opportunities and you and I both know the answer is yes. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know what it comes down to? I was talking to someone actually in clubhouse again, um, where, where we, we used kind of this, this methodology, this mindset that dealers need to get into is that they're no longer in the car business. They're in the experience business. All right. Once you understand that you're selling experiences and you're not selling metal, it it fundamentally just changes your your approach to culture, your approach to technology. And, and that's where that, that's where some amazing things have happened. And there have been some dealerships that have done that. Brian Benstock is an amazing example of that, right? I don't think Brian sells cars. I just don't. He, you know, we're, we're trying to schedule a podcast together. And he might disagree with me, but I think Brian, Brian sells experiences. The car is just a byproduct of it. 
he makes it all about the customer. It's, it's what he's doing. And what's funny is he's giving everybody, he's sharing a secret sauce on how to do it. And nobody wants to do it. I mean, I don't know too many well, dealerships are doing what he's doing. So hats off to him. And he's willing to share that information. I always give him props on that. Um, but the other thing too is, and I'll give another parallel. When when people go outside the box, like what Brand, Brian Benstock has done, along with other dealerships, like a Shomp Automotive and some of these oh, other dealerships. I will tell you, like in um, at Drive Centric, one of the things we did. Imagine this, Jason. We were the first CRM four years ago to start doing remote launching. <laughs> How do you think that went over? If you're a dealer, yeah, probably not well at all. <laughs> do they look at you cross eyed when you did it? They got the hot flashes. Okay, I've never seen so many men get hot flashes. All right, <laughs> but um, even in in Canada. But you know what? We're four years later. And we're branded because our CRM is so easy. You can do remote launches. Yes. You know what I mean? So we took a chance, we did it. And now we're reaping the benefits of it. You know what I mean? So if you go out there, people understand, man, there's guys do remote launches and they may frown upon that because they're used to everybody being in the dealership. Nobody goes in there and launches Facebook, Google, or messenger at a store. No. I mean, that's the way we have to look at there. So, so anyway, we took a chance, it paid off. And I guarantee if dealers listen to their customers and they start thinking in terms of taking some of that, uh, the process of doing the transaction with the customer remotely, huge dividends to this dealership, no doubt. It is. But, you know, I, I think the key to getting this done is to be intentional. And it, it comes to your point. You said this earlier. You said it kind of multiple times throughout our conversation. It's, it, it's a top-down scenario here, right? Like you, you are not it's, – it's a oh, yeah. mind shift, but it's an intentional mind shift, all right, that's going to get you to the place where you can actually really execute, you know, uh, proper engagement strategies and real digital retailing and, you know – uh, real unique lead response syntax, man. We've covered so many amazing topics during this podcast, and I know it's getting towards the tail end of our time. And I'm pretty confident we'll probably extend this conversation into cl into a, a clubhouse room right after this. Oh, but, well, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. <laughs> but but before I let you go, though, for everybody that's out there watching and listening right now, and would love to connect with you and your company and kind of follow along with your guys' journey and learn more yeah. about about yourself and and, and your guys' business, what what's the best way to do so? Yeah, you can reach out to me uh, at DriveCentric or Steve at DriveCentric.com. You can obviously follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, we actually have a great YouTube channel. So if people want to start looking at videos, go to DriveCentric's YouTube channel. Um, I've done actually what I call a personalized video challenge uh, and basically showing nice. people how to do a confirm appointment video, things of that nature. So some really good educational videos on there as long along with uh, Video Gaga where I'm rating videos. So I've seen that. Those ones are fun. I like to preach on video. So yeah, Video Gaga. You don't want to be Video Blah Blah, Jason. <laughs> That's but awesome. no, yeah, just reach out to me anytime. If there's a presentation, if you're trying to build the culture of video, um, I preach on video all the time. Love to help. Doesn't matter if you're on drive or not. So that's awesome. And you see that's also, I think one of the coolest things about you, man, is, is that uh, yeah. you, you're just, your willingness just want to help regardless if, you know, someone's utilizing your services. We connected that way. And cause I'm in under the same impression. I don't care if you're my client or not. I, we, we just have a fundamental passion for the industry and whatever we can do to better it. We're, we're there. We're just, where do you want, where, where do you want? Well, yeah, right? you, I, I just take the data and I implement it. I mean, and at the end of the day, that's what I'm passionate about. And, and when you secret shop stores, and I mean, and Jason, maybe you're secret shopping stores, but yep. you know, a lot of times I used to secret shop a lot of stores. And I got the same thing. I just got tired of it. It's exhausting. It's got to change. It is. It is exhausting. Hey, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with us oh, today. This has been a blast. You have yourself an amazing day. 
You got it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy Mob Podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to sign up to be a mobster at strategymob.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe.